0: Hi, this is Ember Kelly with the Fourth U Dimension podcast. This is our second ever podcast. Thanks for stopping in and listening. We have a special guest with us today, uh, Alec Gewertz. Uh Alec, would you like to introduce yourself to
1: our our community? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, and I'm, I'm I'm so happy to be a part of this podcast as it gets launched. Uh, my name's Alec, and. Um, I create values-based communities for religiously unaffiliated people of my generation. I'm in my 20s. Um, There's a huge hunger among all the religiously unaffiliated people my age for community, for new structures of meaning, structures of accountability, um, and there's a pretty big absence of venues to meet that need. Um, So I'm writing about that need and also attempting to meet it through community building of my own.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's really exciting work. Uh, so uh, as we've talked about in previous conversations, uh, one of the themes uh, for our uh, religious education year for discussions on the podcast, especially this fall, uh, is really about community, about self understanding about meaning uh, and resiliency in these challenging times. So it's, it's really exciting to have you on. Uh, If you don't mind, I I got a a first question for you. That'd be wonderful. So to you, what does it mean to be able to find and build community?
1: Well, there's, um, I mean, I I think of uh, it in the context of meeting needs for community that uh, religious institutions have met in the past. Um, It's, you know, it's very often talked about that uh, there's more and more uh, disaffiliation among young people, young people aren't going to congregations, young people aren't participating in small groups, Um, and there are really two schools of thought about what's happening. Uh, One school of thought says that uh, people can find communities that meet the same needs that religious ones met in the past but just don't look like religious communities. So the classic example of this is CrossFit. Um, People talk about, you know, CrossFit boxes, which is what the the gyms are called as being, you know, structures of accountability, places of personal growth, places of deep bonding. Um, And there's a sort of like evangelical enthusiasm among CrossFit participants um, in, in the community. Uh, there's a second school of thought that, sure, places like CrossFit can meet people's needs for community, for accountability, for structures of personal growth. But there are specifically religious, spiritual needs that these secular communities really can't meet. And we can't assume that young people are going to find alternatives to religious communities um, in these sort of innovative community spaces. And I'm frankly more of that second camp. Um, and so the, the fascinating challenge for me is trying to uh, think about what it might mean to create communities for religiously unaffiliated people that still meet what uh, this, this, this author, Mark Johnston, uh, calls the sort of structural defects of human life that religion are designed to meet, and those um, those defects that we need consolation for are arbitrary suffering, the ignorance about you know our condition, what we're doing here on earth, um, the isolation of our self-involvement, and uh, then he describes sort of vulnerability of everything in our lives to loss. Um, there are those sort of real deep, deep, deep human needs that religion has traditionally met and that i don't think these sort of innovative communities for all their value uh can meet for people
0: yeah no definitely you know the the crossfit example definitely uh has to be like the most interesting one because you know you don't you don't necessarily think of of crossfit as a as a religious experience but then uh you know at the same time it uh it makes sense that people are very much finding meaning finding community in similar ways to how people would have traditionally uh, found that community uh, and meaning uh, in a religious setting, uh, and I, I think which perhaps you know explains a lot of the, the the very big pushback that people had about like gyms not opening uh, mm-hmm. due, totally. due, due to Corona. You know, people people wanted to get back to their to their their sacred space.
1: No, no it's, it's really true. I mean, like you pastors on Twitter were like, you know, railing against how churches were closed. And like I, in like precisely the same terms, people were in some cases talking about how, how hard it was for gyms to be closed. Um, so for sure, for sure, these spaces like a CrossFit gym, you know, meet profound, profound needs for people. And it's so not my place to say like, you know, like, oh, but they could do more. And that that's not really what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, but instead, um, I think that people uh, should recognize that for all the value of these communities, we can't expect them to do all the work that religious communities traditionally have done. I mean, um, you know, the leaders of CrossFit gyms have, you know, lots of experience and they're incredible people, but they weren't trained in ministry like, you know, like a pastor. They weren't trained in pastoral care. They, um, there, there are all of these skills that I think would be unfair to ask people in these alternative communities uh, to try to practice. Um, so that's why I think that, um, yeah, non-religious people need venues that are directed more explicitly even to, to some of the needs that religious communities have met.
0: Yeah. I mean, so what would like a, an ideal venue of, of that sort of... I mean, obviously ideal is not always able to be achieved, but like what would... Yeah. A, What would a a, a realistic uh, community of that kind of setting look like to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's of course tough to say and there are tons of challenges and I think there will increasingly be experiments in this space and there'll be tons of instructive failures. Um, But I think, um, you know, venues led by wise but open-minded people who are trained in how to deal with some of the deepest human struggles around loss, around um, arbitrary suffering, around the the, the sort of issues that I was referencing before, um, where people can really find a a space to have support and guidance and community around the the biggest issues of life um, and not have that be a sort of Accidental, occasional, um, side side effect of what the community does, as it would in, you know, a strong gym community or or the like.
0: Yeah, I mean, so do you think uh, to some extent that maybe like uh, non-religious folks uh, often, do, or, or even like communities such as these, like that there there's a desire to have like some level of ritual almost for like community community ritual community. Uh, space for journeying together with ritual
1: definitely um and um you know of course um to stick for one more second with the gym example i mean that i mean the ritual of always trying to hit your pr you know your personal record your personal best and um you know everyone gathering around i mean that invests life and meaning and i think for sure that um secular people need rituals even if they don't often think of it in in those terms um because i mean starting from the premise that actions can invest life with meaning and repeated actions can invest life with deep meaning you want to repeat your actions through ritual and that i mean that that is essentially what ritual is um and um a really good friend of mine, um, someone I really admire, uh, named Casper Turquill just wrote an awesome book just on this called The Power of Ritual about how secular people can uh, turn everyday practices into sort of sites of sacred meaning, um, even if they're, they're non-religious. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer that um, without rituals, uh, there's no way to hold on to the concepts and emotions that one believes gives life meaning without rituals the sort of entropy of life the inevitable rush of distractions competing demands all the sort of countervailing uh, doubts and uh, tendencies in us will totally overwhelm what we once felt gave life meaning and that you know we need to have that structure to, to to regularize that, that meaning.
0: Yeah, definitely. So kind of moving from thinking about uh, communities to, uh, as I mentioned, self-understanding is kind of the, the theme of September uh, yeah. for, for our religious education this month. So what do you think, uh, what kind of tools and resources as, as individuals uh, can we you know, kind of develop or are needed uh, for kind of this process of finding meaning in our own lives on an individual level Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'd be curious what you think of this too. I mean, I have found, um, I mean, I, I tend to think of, um, I mean, just, just excuse me, to this issue of self-understanding. Um, I, for one, don't tend to think that we carry some sort of fully formed version of us internally that, you know, the work of our lives is to understand Um, and then bring it to reality. I'm more inclined to think that uh, self-making is creative. Um, That, I mean, in my life, I tend to put the emphasis on transcending myself rather than understanding myself, I guess, because um, I often find that that the work of self-understanding is uh, too often about finding your limits, you know, sort of identifying inflexible flexible personality traits fixed interests um and um yeah I, I like to think of self-making as something more creative but what about you i mean is the is the idea of self-understanding helpful in your life and um uh, you know i i have to wonder
0: uh, oftentimes I, I fall back on on the both end yeah uh, yeah you know, i think that there's um you know i i don't necessarily think that like as a, as a small child that we're born into the world with our entire, like everything ingrained for exactly how we have to be for the, the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, so I, de- I definitely wouldn't like have that perspective. Uh, but I do think there is, um, some usefulness to at least like, uh, reflecting on the ways we were shaped, uh, yeah. like, like growing up. But I think that that kind of relates also to, to what you were getting at and then it's creative and then it's, uh, trying to, to overcome maybe limitations that uh, we didn't realize were, were, were placed on us uh, it, as we were developing, as we were growing things that we internalized, uh, not intentionally, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, so I mean, to me, it's almost a
1: bit of a, bit of a both and there. That, yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that, that, that rings true. I mean, so in light of that, to, to the second part of your question about um, how we might, might find tools for that. Um, I mean, one, the church is a great tool and it doesn't just offer the tool of weekly services. I assume it also offers smaller group settings where people um, can engage a more reflective conversation. I mean, the basic principle that, that guides my life as I, um, I guess without quite recognizing it have striven for self-understanding is, or maybe this is really a way to have that both. And I mean, I, I try to have experiences in which I fully lose myself. I'm not thinking, I'm not reflecting, I'm not in my head. I'm totally lost in them. And then I pull back and reflect. Um, So, um, you know, the losing myself enables that growth that we were both acknowledging, but the pulling back and reflecting enables the understanding to make sure that we're being true to ourselves, that we're not escaping ourselves. Um, So, I guess as a basic principle, although it's hard to, to apply in this period of, of, of the virus when so many of our experiences are limited, but the basic tool that's guided me and that I think has been most valuable for other young people and might be for the young people listening um, is exuberant experience, total surrender to challenges, um, and then regular intervals of pulling back to, to reflect on them. I know that's pretty abstract, but, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, so you, you kind of mean like, uh, the, especially for, for, uh, younger folks, which uh, our, our young adult group at our, at our congregation, uh, covers up through like mid thirties and forties. Uh, yeah, so, works. so, uh, young has some, some relative yeah. terms there. Oh, that's great. Um, but, I'm, you know, I think that there, that, that resonated with me having, you know, recently uh, got back from like living in Vietnam, hmm. you know, that that was like this, this challenging experience. Like, can I do this? Can I succeed? And like, um, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't the only goal of going there, but like it definitely yeah. uh, did provide me that, you know, that space of, of like, okay, well, if I can do this, like I, I can do other big things in
1: my life. Totally. So yeah, those big, challenging experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and somewhat similarly, I spent the past year living in a house as a caretaker uh, with five people with severe intellectual disabilities. And um, I think if I too regularly checked in with myself if um, i mean maybe this won't come out right but I'll, i'd be curious to work through it with you i mean i couldn't you know constantly be engaging in reflective self-understanding because if i did i'd you know give too much credence to all the discomfort that uh what that i was initially experiencing in the community and i'd say like this proves i'm just not cut out for it like you know i've understood myself now and Um, I just can't, you know, change these adult diapers called briefs. And, you know, I I can't bathe people. I just feel this sort of, you know, like physical revulsion. I can't bring myself to do it. I think instead of stressing self-understanding at every stage of the process, I needed to sort of totally throw myself into it, not like constantly asking myself whether like this is the right thing for me to be doing by some, you know, cosmic harmonic, a lot, you know, like, you know, bond between what's in me and what you know my what I'm doing in the world. Um but instead to do this intense experience um and then after I've really, really really given it, see what new parts of myself I wouldn't have been able to understand uh emerged after the fact.
0: Uh, yeah I, I think that I think that makes makes a lot of sense. You know the, the growth and challenges are Perhaps some some of the best avenues for for self understanding instead of, uh, you know, instead of like the the, the ivory tower, uh, I'm going to sit sit in a room and figure out how to understand that I exist. Of course, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all, all credit to to all the philosophers. Yeah, um, sure, okay. they're they're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh But uh, yeah, I you know so um, uh, with with your strong experience, like uh, thinking about like. Uh, communities and creating communities um, I guess uh, trying to figure out the best phrasing for my own thought here uh, would be um, you know so how do you think self-understanding and community uh, interactions relate like you, you were talking about how you had this this intense experience of of coming to understand yourself better because you dived into this challenging community
1: yeah yeah I mean me, it's tricky and there there are lots of parts of it um, and I, I, I'd love to know what you think but um, you know of course what you know a secular person like me grew up hearing about religious community for example I mean this was a predominantly religious community that I was that I was in although um, I don't identify um, as religious um, uh, you know what what you grow up hearing is that sort of community inhibits yourself in it just sort of forces you to be a particular way and um, it sort of like fixes a form of self-understanding on you that you have to accept or else you can't really belong in the community Um, and what I've found in communities at their best is um, an incredible ability quite differently to give people the space to be themselves Um, and uh, You know, Emerson, you know, Unitarian of a prior era and sort of my intellectual hero writes about this really gorgeously. And I wrote this down here and I'll just read, um, yeah, how he describes um, community at its best. Um, He says, we mark with light in the memory, the few interviews meaning conversations we had in the dreary years of routine with souls that made our souls wiser that spoke what we thought, that told us what we knew, that gave us leave to be what we inly were. Discharge people to this priestly office and you shall be followed by their love as by an angel. But the the emphasis of that on me is um, giving people leave to be what they inly were. Um, You know, of course, Emerson's famous for individualistic rebellion against um, the sort of oppressive force of um, communities that, as I was describing, you know, sort of make people conform in certain ways. Um, And there's something really beautiful about the idea that, you know, Emersonian individualism properly understood doesn't mean, as you were saying, you know, locking yourself up in a room. It can involve living in community, um, but that community has to, be grounded on the belief that people can best encourage each other's growth if with a sort of patient, open, curious presence that enables people to come into their own without fear of judgment um, and without sort of needing to fake it in order to be accepted. Does Does that ring true to you as, you know, the relationship with community and self-understanding or
0: yeah no that, that uh, i really i really enjoyed your reflection that was uh um it's, it's got me pondering and thinking over here yeah. you know so i you know i think that uh, yeah i i grew up um i, I don't know maybe maybe it's just a, a an american way to to grow up uh or at least a, a very western way to grow up that like this concept that like you know, that it is all about, like, the individual and don't, uh, yeah, yeah. don't you know, don't be held back by, by your community's expectations. And, you know, um, it's such a heavy emphasis on it. And, you know, I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's good to, like, completely swing 100% the opposite way or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there's definitely uh, space and a good understanding of it to find a proper middle where you, where you have communities as this place where, where you're empowering each other um, and journeying together. But like, to me, you know, community seems uh, like, like, yes, I have plenty of my own you know, personal experiences of growth that have been uh, deeply meaningful and moving, uh, but I've also had so many important experiences that have come from, from being in relationship with, 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 uh, with one another. Totally. um and you know even uh, an experience like this like a podcast where we're where yeah. we're, we're kind of you know, bouncing ideas back and forth off each other and uh pondering over these questions together you know it seems that um it seems that there is there is some level that that community relationship uh conversation all of these can be these really great tools for for coming to understand ourselves better and for coming to be
1: better people. hundred percent. Um, I mean, and person, I mean I changed in so many ways by the interactions that I had with my housemates with disabilities. Um, and, um, I mean, for example, um, living in relationship with them taught me so much about how to come to peace with my own weaknesses, how, uh, not to feel as though I need to hide my emotional wounds or uh, my limitations. Um, and that happen purely in sort of magic encounters that one can only really experience if one really, really commits to a community, which in this case for me meant living with five people, but in a congregation like yours, uh, means, you know, just participating regularly um, and not being afraid to, to put yourself out there and uh, taking the lead in participation.
0: Mm. Well, and I jotted down here the, the uh, two, two words that uh, really stood out, which was, you know, acknowledging limitations, because, yeah. well, you know, kind of related to, you know, what I was saying already with that hyper individualist culture, uh, you know, and especially <laughs> in terms of uh, the CrossFit discussion of earlier, uh, yeah you know we're not always encouraged to to find our own limitations or to admit that we can't do everything ourselves like that that's often seen as like oh i'm a failure i can't I can't handle all of this myself totally so you know I think that community pride provides you know a little bit of an avenue for for realizing that that like hey it's it's okay uh for us to have limitations i know um uh, one of a whenever I'm uh, working on any new to-do list, uh, as I've uh, come into this position, uh, I like to jot down, you don't need to do everything yourself, like you have yeah, yeah. You. Uh And, you know, I think that there's, yeah, there, there's such um, there's such growth in coming to terms that like we, we, we do have limitations, like we
1: don't 100%. have to be everything. Yeah, um, no, I, I 100% agree. And um, I mean, I might even go further and say that like community isn't being community if it isn't at least in part founded on a commitment among community members not to run away from each other once they see each other's weaknesses and limitations. Um, and, um, I mean, that's, that's sort of one of the, highest gifts of committed relationships of any kind, whether that's, you know, a committed romantic relationship or the sort of looser and less defined commitment to share life together in a community. Um, I mean, at at the community where I was living, um, you know, you commit to live there for a minimum period of time after, you know, feeling it out um, and all the rest. Um, And In that commitment is the pledge not to run away from people when they upset you, when um, they bother you, whatever. Um, And it's kind of only by those, those sorts of commitments that people can come to feel comfortable enough to reveal their limitations and after revealing them uh, by seeing that they are accepted, uh, come to peace with them.
0: Mm. Powerful. Um, so maybe kind of shifting in a in a yep. direction, but uh, related to some of these conversations we've already been having. Uh, you know, I uh, I come from a, a, a very religious background, the ev- evangelical sort of background, and uh, you know I think that there are many ways that I I still consider myself religious, okay. um, but now I've also found this home, found this, this call, uh, mm. in, uh, fourth universalist society, which is a very, uh, you know, the, the UUA, the Unitarian Universalist association is very like open to religious, non-religious, different religions, different, you know, atheist agnostic, like a, there's tons of, tons of room, uh, for, for exploring that together. Um, and, uh, so I, I just be kind of curious, like um, you know, since you're talking about like communities for for non-religious people, like what what do you think about like um, I don't wanna, don't want to call it coexisting? That feels too much like a bumper sticker. Uh, but but what do you think about like these communities where where it's journeying together as both like religious, non-religious, different religious? Uh, you know what what kind of do you have about like places like such as that?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's awesome, of course. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic if people from different religious backgrounds, people with and without religious backgrounds, can find ways to journey together and learn from the gifts of each other's traditions. Um, Part of me, as I say that, can't help but think that um, just the way people are wired, they need, you know, a clear set of beliefs. They need a tradition that stands for certain ideas of what's right and what's wrong. Um, Of course, there's so many dangers in that, Um, you know, as we've seen in all the sort of Bad things that have come from religion, you know, by the sort of fixed declaration of this is good, that's bad. Um, but I mean, the tension is in thinking about um, whether just the way people are built, they need that. And that, um, you know, potentially, I really don't know. I just, you know, I mean, just putting out there that um, the sorts of movements that you're describing. Will always encounter some limitation of scale because the bulk of people like want a clearer understanding of how they should live their lives, what's supremely true, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, I wish that hope that isn't the case, but um, I can't help but wondering it.
0: No, I, I mean, I think that there's there's some truth to that. that the people there's there there does seem you know uh, a great of people who, who seem uh, unwilling to to like see perspectives outside their own, like uh, I think yeah. I think truth to that, um, and, and I think that one of the interesting things for me, uh, like coming from from this very hyper-religious upbringing, very we're right upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, has has just been like the growth and the joy that like comes from like realizing that like. I have so much to learn from others and like that we can all yeah. be learning, you know, uh, I, I think that it's really just, it's, it's amazing to have this space. Uh, but I, I do, I, I do have, you know, the same thoughts as you is how, how do we, uh, as a society move towards, uh, similar, similar respect. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a tough, it's a tough thing. And it's, I don't know that it's a, I think that's a question that would could could run an entire podcast series. Of course. On. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um,
1: okay.
0: So, um, yeah. Um, r- related, um, yep. not necessarily taking it into the how do we politically then change things, but uh, taking it in a different direction uh, would be like so, uh, like, what do you think of uh, like n- non religious folks like uh, ad- adapting, borrowing, um just use using some some things that have very you know religious or quasi uh religious meanings such as maybe like meditation or yoga uh like kind of using those like i i feel like there's an interesting dynamic there with with um yeah people who even might say that they're non non non-religious or uh, an atheist but then still very much might have a spiritual kind of side. Um, yeah. So I guess I'd just be curious, like uh, your insights with, with the stuff that you studied, studied yeah. um, into thinking about like, you know, how, how do we, um, as we create the, these meanings in our own lives, as we create our own self-understanding, uh, as we create these rituals, like what are your, what are your thoughts and feelings on, on using things that maybe,
1: came from a previous context that was maybe a bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are challenges and there are opportunities. I mean, to start with the challenges first, there's obviously the risk of in culturally appropriating something, disrespecting it, dishonoring it. Um, You know, you cited meditation, you cited yoga. Um, It becomes more nuanced in that space because, you know, practitioners of those, um, people, uh, masters of those practices came, for example, from India and deliberately tried to introduce um, these practices and, uh, you know, rejecting them, rejecting that effort also doesn't seem right. Um, so, as with anything, it takes nuanced care. I don't think that, you know, people in the West shouldn't meditate, um, but they also shouldn't pretend that they're Buddhist just because they meditate. They should, you know, think that they're um, doing something specific um, that's owed to a tradition, but doesn't reflect the entirety of it at all. Um, the, uh, I mean, there's a sort of parallel, um, you know, less culturally prevalent turn to like, you know, that's been going on, you know, definitely since the 20th century, but to try to sort of like um, abstract a set of values from religious systems and like, you know, leave the metaphysics, you know, not take God, you know, maybe every now and then, you know, use a, you know, a parable, or use one of the stories as a parable that illustrates a certain moral theme, but that, um, you know, isn't taken as you know the word of God or isn't taken as literal fact. Um, And I mean, I tend, and this is, you know, of course, just my opinion, um, I tend to think that um, that project the project of trying to abstract values from what were originally you know imaginatively rich and metaphysically loaded uh, frameworks isn't really going to succeed um, you know to take only one reason why I don't think it'll succeed is that um, you know. Let's take, you know, right and wrong. I find in my life that the most difficult thing isn't deciding what's the right thing to do, although there are obviously tons of cases where it is tricky to figure out what the right thing to do is. But in a lot, in most cases, I know what the right thing to do is. And the hard thing is generating the motivation to do that right thing. And what religious frameworks provided, or I mean, let's just stick to like what christianity provided um, was a structure of motivation for doing what values told you you should do um, you know in certain cases that was threat of heaven or promise i mean promise of heaven threat or hell threat of hell excuse me sorry um, um but you know it, it varied obviously among traditions but um so i think you lose that structure of motivation and even worse than that you sort of like ignore the necessity of it by trying to tell people that they should just, you know, practice these values because they know they're right, um, you know, on some intuitive level. Um, And I think that there's a real need for fresh structures of motivation for non-religious people that are as imaginatively and emotionally compelling as, you know, the framework that, for example, traditional christianity presented does that make sense yeah,
0: definitely i think that i think that's really some some interesting uh yeah uh, uh i'm just i'm processing it all no, cool, cool. Uh, yeah uh I, I, I did laugh of course at the at the, the threat of heaven but, <laughs> but i mean gosh you know a, a, as a as a kid like was, you, know, you got to go to heaven and you're just going to be with god all the time and it's all you're going to do for the rest of eternity it like, sounds kind of boring like
1: <laughs> yeah no, i know
0: and I got to be there with like, you know, like Pat Robertson and
1: yeah, really. all, all these types no. of people. Like I, yeah. I'm good.
0: So, yeah, so yeah.
1: Maybe there is like, <laughs> a... You're right. there, there was some book I read where there where like a kid was like, I really just have to like go prancing around and playing the harp all day. Like that sounds like the worst. Um, anyway, that but yeah, anyway.
0: Uh, yeah. So I suppose kind of uh, um, uh in closing. Uh, yeah would just be like, you know, is, is there uh, any insights just related to these conversations that we've we've had today, uh, like from your work and from your studies that maybe you feel like we haven't necessarily addressed yet, uh, that you just kind of want to
1: share uh, free flow? Um, I mean, not necessarily, but I, I, I think that this is a period of incredible opportunity in what can be called religious innovation, um, in that, there's so many people who to whom the big religious traditions aren't speaking and um, the sites of creative possibilities I think will be ones like the Unitarian Universalist movement where uh, people from different backgrounds are coming together and, and trying to, to find meaning, find community. Um, so, I'm I'm just excited for what what the future can bring for Unitarian movement um, and and for religion more generally. Yeah, um, definitely,
0: awesome. Uh, so, Alec, uh, is there anywhere you'd like to to share in terms of like where uh, do you, blog, website, anything like that? Yeah, um, information.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, and I can also give that to you, and maybe it, it can be included on um, in paper. Just my last name is hard to spell, for example, but. Um, I make videos about spirituality on YouTube um, and um, I can send Ember the link for that. And I'm also on Twitter at Alec Gortz, A-L-E-C-G-E-W-I-R-T-Z. Um, and yeah, I'd love to, to talk with any of you. And um, in any case, if, if you wanna follow my work, I'd, I'd love to have you along for it. Okay,
0: thanks so much, Alec. It's, it's been wonderful getting to talk with you and thanks so much for all, Thank all
1: these- Thank you so much, Ember. Uh, fresh insights. Thank you. It was really a pleasure to be a part of this. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes from here.